Hello, Stephen. Hello, Erica. We just watched episodes five and six of The Web Planet. That is Invasion and The Sentry. Center. But it's spelled R-E. That should be pronounced Sentry. I'm so American. I know you are. Only your country pronounces it that way, you know. And no, spells it that way. Our country doesn't actually pronounce the R-E. No? Sentry. We just don't spell it that way at all. No, I know. C-E-N-T-E-R. Mm-hmm. Er. The way it sounds. Yeah. We were, uh, I, I, don't, I can't remember if we promised, no, we just certainly didn't promise. Did we suggest at the end of last episode that we would watch uh, an episode of The Web Planet at Califrey 1 this past weekend? We hinted that that might be a possibility, but then we did not bring any episodes to no. Califrey 1 to watch. And even if we had, I don't know that we would have uh, gotten around to that anyway, because... Talk to conventions are always, you know, exciting, busy, busy times. Very. Especially Gally. I'm just trying to think, because you weren't feeling that well on the Thursday. No, nope. So we went to bed early. And then the Friday was uh, a Paul Cornell panel, which was uh, at 11.30 at p.m. 11.30 p.m. until like 1. Mm-hmm. And then Saturday night was the disco dance up until, we were up until like 3.30 or 4. Mm-hmm. And then Sunday, of course, is the big lobby con. Mm-hmm. So there would have been no... Because, you know, Lazy Doctor Who is the official late-night podcast <laughs> of our lives. so That's true. Yeah. So we wouldn't have had a chance to to um, to watch anything. Yeah, probably not. No, but we did tonight. Finished it off. Mm-hmm. Planet. Yep. What'd you think? I still liked it. You did? Yeah. I, I, I feel like leaving so much space in between, you know, whole <laughs> convention's worth of time, uh-huh. I had a little trouble sort of catching on to what was going on in <clears throat> right. Invasion. I'd sort of forgotten a little bit, lost the thread. Uh-huh. Um, and maybe just because I didn't have the same momentum from watching the other ones more recently, it seemed to drag a little bit and feel a little bit slower. I don't know if these were slower episodes or if it just felt that way. Well, ep- episode five of a six-parter is never the most exciting episode. Although, mm-hmm. I quite, quite liked the monologue that the one Monoptera had underground when he was explaining to... Or, I don't know if it was underground or in that cave. It was in the cave place that was supposed to be so beautiful. <clears throat> right, yeah. Um, the Tower of, of Light or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I'm very glad that they explained that that Tower of Light was supposed to be so beautiful because if they had not told me that, I yeah. I don't think I would know. No. I, for all I knew, just based on what it looked like, it was supposed to be a really scary tunnel. I don't know. Um, so it was good to know. That it was that's, a big pyramid or tower or something. Like yeah, that, right? looking yeah. up to the sun or something. Yeah. Um, with some like trippy swirls. Mm-hmm. On the inside, um, but I really liked the the monologue that the one monopter had, explaining how there used to be forests of flowers, and they used to, you know, they are not good tacticians because they had no need to plan anything except for how to farm the flowers and be at peace. And uh-huh. it was just, it was this one character talking and gesturing, and I really enjoyed it. It actually. It kind of reminded me of uh, the episode of um, Marco Polo where Ping Cho was telling the story. Oh, yes. And I liked this a lot better. And I don't know if that's because I had something to see and watch while he was doing the, you know, floaty things with his hands. Right. Uh, But I suspect even if I had been able to see Ping Cho, I still would like this better. It just seemed very, very poetic and trippy a little bit. And I don't know. It was just it, it. pushed a button in me that I quite, quite enjoyed. So I, lo- I just love that scene so much that it actually made up for quite a lot of the 
uh, rest of the running around and stuff in episode five. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I was I was a big fan of that, and I still I'm on. I was at that point still very on board with the whole mythology of <coughs> the Monoptera being driven away from their planet and the Optera driven underground. Driven underground and um, you know evolving to be able to cope with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, which made me give a little bit of side eye later on when the Monoptera is saying to the Optra, the light is good, just come on up. Everything will be great. Be strong. Be, be strong. strong. And suddenly they can see. Uh, that was <laughs> yeah. a little bit iffy. I don't think they quite understand how evolution works, mm-hmm. but um, it's a different planet, so I guess maybe that's how evolution They're works They're giant there. big bugs on a planet of mm. Vaseline, so... Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, towards the end, they, the plot didn't hold together as well as I maybe would have liked. No, there's this isotope that they have mm-hmm. that, you know, a magic box, basically, which yep. will wreck the animus. Animus? Animus. And it does. Deus ex machina. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look at this, we have this magic bomb. And Barbara's supposed to aim it at the dark <clears throat> side of the animus, which I don't see a dark side. I don't side. see a dark side either, and she doesn't really move from when she gets in there. And she says it's not working. And then it does. And then it does, uh, yeah. Only because Ian came in, apparently. I Did guess. distract Because uh, a, a big Maybe? thing was made of mm-hmm. Ian arriving on the scene. Right at the same time. Yeah. Um, and then the fact that it wanted to take the earth people's way of thinking in order to access earth to take earth's ability to go to the stars yeah. i mean none of that really made any sense it just seemed like jibberty jabber mm-hmm. to to get, to keep it talking while tentacles waved and and, and and to give the animus a reason for um absorbing the minds of the tardis team perhaps. yeah basically for bringing the doctor and vicky there in the first place yeah um Hmm, that was that was fine. Although speaking of of the doctor and Vicky, the scene where they both have the gold things on them, and the doctor is really under, and Vicky is not, mm-hmm. and she's just pretending, and she like opens one eye and looks <laughs> to the side, and then opens the other and looks. Just, that was just adorable. I loved that so much. Yeah. And then she wakes the doctor up, and the part that I thought was the best about that okay. is. She frees the doctor from it. He slowly kind of comes out of it and wakes up. And, you know, she says, I took a chance and I mm-hmm. um, I put it on. You did it. You fixed it. And he said, oh, my. And I can't remember his exact line, but he says something like, you know, we need to we need to make use of your accomplishment, which I thought was very undoctor-like, un-early doctor-like. He doesn't say, why, yes, I'm the one who fixed it. And now we mm-hmm. need to, you know, continue with my plans. He gives her due credit for for what she was able to do. And I just thought that was really cool. The Dr. Um, Vicky relationship is, I think, more successful than the Dr. Susan one because it, re- mm-hmm. it removes that paternal level, yep. you know, where the, you know there's an obvious duty of care, mm-hmm. so to speak, for the doctor over her, his granddaughter. But here the, there's a little bit more playfulness, you know. Um, it's like, gone from grandfatherly to sort of avuncular. Yeah, which, you know, which is kind of how the doctor companion relationship kind of stays yeah for many many years yeah mm-hmm. um which is nice i like that um yeah what else oh the opera um opera. Uh, the, the grunting you're, you're mexican giggling. jumping beans yeah i i have to admit though i i i enjoyed some of their their way of of speaking you know they said uh, let's you know, smash the teeth of stone. I loved that. When they're hitting the stalactites. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, uh, 
this uh, I can't remember the line now. This wall um, is silent. This wall is silent. We must, you know, Open make, make mouths of it. Then it will speak more light. That was yeah. They are. I mean, talk about poetic dialogue. Yeah. I I didn't like. Well, I guess I didn't like the way that they spoke their their vocalizations. Mm-hmm. But I loved the dialogue that they were given. That they said that everything was in metaphor. That this yeah. this race that has been driven underground and it doesn't actually see the light and doesn't have technology so much anymore. They're, they're driven back to primitive uh, sorts of times. Then yeah, everything becomes this, these poetic metaphors, which. Are, I don't know how realistic that is, but I thought it was beautiful. It was nice. It was the most beautiful thing about them because they were ridiculous. <laughs> and they spoke in grunts and stuff. Yeah. Although I think everyone had their, their time of being ridiculous. Like um, the Zarbi, um, I mean the Monoptra little bullfighter thing with the Zarbi. Zarbi! Oh, God. I know. I was, I was kind of bored during that scene, so I was just trying to think of all the ant-related puns I could come yeah, up with. Yeah, you, you gave a couple. Go on. Which yes. Ones? Uh, my favorite one was just, uh, this is the antithesis of a good fight. That's right. Uh, which it was. Yeah. Uh, and they, you know, when they were, uh, when they were supposed to be fighting, it looked like they were hugging. And I was like, it's an anterior hug. I know. You married me. You chose I this. I did. <laughs> well, but the ants. I mean, I ha- I have to admit the the actual costume design for the Zarbi is is pretty good. Oh yeah, no um, argument here. Uh, at the expense of mobility, you know, yeah. they they just sort of can shuffle. sort of shuffle and wobble up and down, mm-hmm. and when you get them to turn around and stuff, they they run into each other and uh, and the walls and the walls and the camera yeah and all that. But mm-hmm. whatever that that kind of stuff doesn't doesn't bother me. No, no, doesn't bother me that much either. But I mean, it's risky basing an entire story six-part story mm-hmm. around you know i i think about if i was as the plot was moving along here slowly as it was i was thinking how different and ordinary this story would be if everyone in it were like human you know if it was, mm-hmm. if it was just some like this some strange thing, human thing or something that came to Vortis and, and took it over and you know the Monoptera were human and everyone else is human. It would just be some basic odd story. But the fact that everyone is a bug <laughs> kind of makes it unique. And it kind of that's how it kind of gets its uniqueness and its purpose i think is the, just to show the lives of these very different but apparently it happened when uh bill strutton got the idea when uh i think he got he saw ants fighting or something like that and thought you know what's life like in their in their little <laughs> world perhaps he was perhaps he was influenced by something else as well at the time perhaps to <laughs> concoct this world that he had uh, that he did mm-hmm. for the story but um quite possible yeah you know. i guess i hadn't thought about that but you're you're right the central I guess gimmick is really the only word for it. It's a mm. gimmick that they are all bugs. Uh, but for me, it works. It's, yeah, if if you put humans in it, I think I would still be, if you somehow made it clear that the humans underground were, you know, sort of retro-evolved, mm-hmm. you know, like Morlocks or something like that. Right. Although they were actually the smart ones. But anyway, um, and the, you know, the the ones that had left, fled the planet were still technologically savvy mm-hmm. i mean it's almost like a 17 tash kind of a thing Ooh. which i you know that's kind of my bread and butter i love that sort of thing so right. i think i still would have appreciated the story for mm-hmm. what it was mm-hmm. even if they were not all bugs but i think it does add a sort of surreal element to it right that 
definitely helps make the story work. Mm-hmm. And one part that I quite enjoyed was after the TARDIS team gets in the TARDIS and disappears, we actually get to see the reaction of the people left behind <laughs> right. to the disappearance of the TARDIS, which is something that doesn't happen at all, too often. At all yet at uh, this point. Mm- I mean, even in the rest of the show, it's it's rare. I mean, a little get, bit, a little bit. Uh, Dione on uh, the Thals there sort of like walks around and like kneels yeah, down and goes, right. "Where did it go?" Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. Okay, I'd forgotten about that's that. That's right. And you know, you get Surprised the John, you get it. the John Cleese moment in City of Death later on, and you know that's exquisite, absolutely <laughs> exquisite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But but it doesn't happen terribly often, and I thought that that was that was neat. And then it actually continues on a little bit from there. You know, really, the the doctor and his companions are our, you know, eyepiece into the story. So it was kind of weird to have mm-hmm. a scene where they're completely gone. Um, it's still referring to them, talking about how their deeds will be celebrated. Yeah. All I could think about through that whole scene was, oh, I hope in series ten they go back to Vortis and see <laughs> see how things are going. I would love to see a Monoptra costume realized now with CG for wings and stuff <laughs> and being able to fly and, you know, and see what the Zarbi look like. Although that might be kind of scary if you actually had a, a pretty good-looking ant. Even if it was CG, that might be a little creepy. I, I do know that Peter Capaldi has spoken on a couple of occasions about Vortis and the Web Planet. Really? Yeah, he totally has because, you know, he's Peter Capaldi. Mm-hmm. Um, did, I, did I mention Ingrid Oliver's sweater from Chicago TARDIS? Oh, I can picture it in my head now yeah. that you say that. Monoptra. It totally looked like she was cosplaying a Monoptra. Yeah. Was that on purpose, do you think? Probably. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I don't. Th- I know Ingrid Oliver likes Doctor Who. I don't know if she, you know, consciously decided, yeah, I'm going to dress mm-hmm. like a bug from 1965. The other thing that I found myself kind of wondering okay. you know, in, in headcanon world uh, was, you know, after they leave, we've got, they have to build back up the flower forests and, you know, the water is coming back to the surface, but they've got to take care of all that. And now we've got the Optra who don't have wings, but their children might. We mm-hmm. don't know for sure that they will. Right. Uh, but, <clears throat> yes, it all seems light and fluffy now, but when I think about the realities of at least a human-style world and how politics tend to rear their ugly heads, I wonder if we're going to have, like, the Monoptra are in charge. We've got this this underclass of the Optera who are going to be sort of subjugated. Some of them may even choose not to come up to the surface and they will just stay underground. Some of them who have come up to the surface service might not like what what they've got in front of them and just Mm -hmm. choose to go back. And then you've got the... uh, Zarby? No, not yet. Not yet. Oh, sorry. then you've got the uh, the Monoptera whose Planet. wings have been removed, oh, yeah. who are Ooh. sort of like a you know a secondary underclass or mm-hmm. maybe an upper underclass. I'm not sure how that works. Right. So you know, the, they're the the maimed class, and then you've got the Zarby, and who knows what's going to happen with them after their physiology has probably been screwed with for a while by the Animus. Plus, they've got this giant web thing that they have to. You know, take apart and mm-hmm. take down, which is going to be a big job, and any kind of big job is going to cause some, you know, fract- fracturing amongst the ranks. And anyway, I just feel like it could be one of those things where the doctor scampers off and leaves quite the uh, quite the political mess behind him. So half of me wants to see a return to Vortis where everything is wonderful, and I get to see. Uh, forests of flowers and pretty things and everybody loving the doctor and being happy to see him come back. And part of me wants to see the doctor come back and see everything in a totally different kind of ruin because, 
because that's just what happened afterwards. I'm not saying it's the doctor's fault. No. It's certainly not the doctor's fault. <clears throat> they would all be dead if it wasn't that's for true. him. Uh, but it uh, it reminds me of, I mentioned that I think Bill Strutton actually remember, might have been his son actually, it might have been his small son sort of like stirring up ants or something like that and and him being inspired by that. And your little post Web Planet um, chronology <laughs> for Vortis reminds me of in the summer of 1987 or 88, I can't remember which. I remember um, we were out at my parents' friend's place or something in BC, and I was kind of bored or something like that. And I found some ants. There were some red ants and some black ants. Mm-hmm. And so I got this little plastic drinking cup and like put actually counted them out as i recall like put 10 of each in the cup just to see what would happen oh no and at first they they just they're all just sort of trying to crawl out you mm-hmm. know and except they had like a um a cover on it, i think saran wrap or something like that a couple holes or something so they could breathe and then they you know and then um i don't know if they, i don't think they ever started fighting when i was watching but then i sort of let them you know and then i went and played lego or something like that then the next day I said, oh, right, the ants. And I came back, and it was a bloodbath. And they were still fighting. (laughs) I know. That's horrible. I feel sick. Uh, Me too. Well, I don't feel sick, but Mm -hmm. I've I've always remembered that. And so I always remember um, watching the web planet and think, and now even more so with your post story, that that Mm -hmm. could have been what happened to the (laughs) ants. Oh, quick, let's talk about something happy to finish this off. What a downer. I will say this about ants. I love ants, and I've loved mm-hmm. them ever since then. And when I walk on the sidewalk to this day, I will always step out of the way of ants. I will do my damnedest not to step on them. That's nice. I like them very much. They're mm-hmm. socialist uh, insects, you know. I guess they're, so. They're very efficient. So, mm-hmm. having said that, look out, Monoptera and Optra, because the Zarbi <laughs> are coming to reclaim their planet. Well, they've always had it. Well, they're who? The, the Zarbi? Zarbi, yeah. Yeah, but they're like cattle that's true yeah so i hope the zarbi win i hope they're all able to live together in peace it's not gonna happen it might that's remember that's you know half of me wants the doctor to come back and see that or you know just like the first five minutes of a story where the doctor and whoever's a companion are are in this beautiful forest of right. flowers and having a nice little vacation, mm-hmm. which of course gets interrupted by something that they need to fly off and save. Right. But we get that little moment of a beautiful bit of Vortis. Oh, so like the pre-title sequence is them like just visiting Vortis or something like that. Kind of like the beginning. The kind of like the beginning of the Five Doctors, where ah! <laughs> the Eye of Orion relaxing in the Eye of Orion. Right. And, you know, then something happens, and they have to they have to scamper off. This is what I want. I like that. There you go, scriptwriters of series ten. Make that happen, and, even, and beyond, and beyond. Necessary. Yep, and beyond. Hopefully, with Peter Capaldi, uh, make a story about that right now, so we can watch it and enjoy it. Uh, and mm-hmm. Return to Fortis. Right, and it doesn't need to be, you know, hammered home. It could just be nope. that they're on this nice planet. You mm-hmm. don't have to know about the the past in order to get it. You can just see a giant ant and a butterfly. Mm-hmm. And that would cavorting uh, together, cavorting together, and you wouldn't even need to name them because mm-hmm. you would people like you and I now having mm-hmm. seen it, we would just yep. know web planet. Yep, Fortis. There we go. That's a happy thought. Yeah, there. We right then, it. and we did it. Okay. Um, next, the lion. The lion. Mm-hmm. About which more next time? Indeed. Okay. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye.